welcome to Small Steps Living, the The podcast. podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cordaff, bringing you inspiring stories to help you transform your life one small step at a time. Here at Small Steps Living, we're keeping it real. Kick back and And enjoy enjoy the show. show. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I have a topic that, look, I'm not too sure. I would have been tackling this topic if I didn't know an amazing woman who I started to get to know around the traps in the social media world. You know, when you start an online business, suddenly these people kind of pop to the surface and you become aware of them and they're very clever at certain things. And my guest today, Mel Kettle, is one of those people. And we'll talk about what she does in a second. But I'm really here to talk to her about a little side project she's got going on, which is called Just As Juicy, (laughs) and it's a blog about menopause, or more specifically, perimenopause. And I am really excited to talk to her about that today. Mel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Lisa. Great to be here. (laughs) And can you just maybe explain to people, I got to know you was it at the first pro blogger that I was at or did we, how did we cross paths? Because um, uh, we both live in Brisbane. Mel is an extremely good, extremely good at communications, especially online and social media. She was kind of a bit of a go-to person for me, always with helpful advice. Did we first meet at pro blogger in 2016? No, I think we first met at an IABC event, International Association of Business Communicators, when I spoke there last year, maybe after Social Media Marketing World last year, and you came along and we've got mutual friends and I thought I must meet you and um, I'd heard a bit of your story and I thought, yeah, okay, we need to get to know each other and I think that was how it happened and then we, then you spoke at an event, no, then we met at Pro blogger last year. Yep, that's right. And again, and caught up, and then a week later, you spoke at an event with yes. me. Yeah, you invited me to talk to people in government right. and all very serious. Um, <laughs> and I had no idea. And you were great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went and saw you speak because you know here's the thing. Uh, you know, I like food. And I like talking to people about food, but if you want to have, Me too. Um, you know, I had a blog and then I, I ran programs and I'm just really interested in the best way to communicate with people. I, like I find communication fascinating. I worked in a bit of TV and journalism and all that stuff. And when you came back from social media marketing world, it was really just like video is the next thing. I thought, oh, well, I really wanted to know something new. I I love video. I've been doing video a lot. And it was just, I guess, affirming for me that, uh, I don't know, I was just going to keep doing my own thing. But that there's this whole world out there of people who aren't quite um, incorporating video in their online marketing. Anyway, let's not not get sidetracked here because you and I could talk social media stuff for hours. <laughs> we could and maybe we'll need to do that on another occasion. <laughs> I really think maybe we should. Um, mm. But on this podcast, I really wanted to talk to you about this new project you've started up, um, Just As Juicy, and ask you a little bit about, because this is, menopause, perimenopause is not a commonly talked about subject. And uh, when you started doing this, I felt all kinds of uncomfortable. Like, why is she talking about that? 
Why is she using the V word? I don't know if I want to read this. It's making me feel a bit uncomfortable. I'm 37. I feel like that's a long way in the future for me, even Mm. although my mum went through menopause quite early. So can you talk to us about why you have decided to write a blog about menopause? Yep. So I'm 47 and two years ago I was having all the symptoms of perimenopause. I wasn't sleeping very well. I gained a shitload of weight in a really short period of time and hadn't made any changes to my diet or my exercise or lack of exercise routine. Um, I was having mood swings all the time. I was really anxious about things I had no control over. So my husband... um, is a shift worker and is a delivery driver. And if he was home five minutes after he told me he would be home, I would automatically assume he was dead in a car accident, which that type of anxiety is not anything I've ever experienced before ever. Um, And then there were a bunch of other little things as well, like my skin was getting dry and my hair was really dry and horrible and um, my sex drive had gone. And all of these things, I just thought, oh, I reckon it's um, it could be perimenopause. And I have no idea of my family history because my mother died seven years ago and we'd never had the conversation around it. Um, so I went and had a chat with my GP and she said to me, how old are you again? And I said, 45. And she said, oh, you're too young. My average patient is 52 when they have menopause. So come back then and I'll just pop you on HRT. And you thought, that's helpful. And I just said, oh, I was dumbfounded, particularly because I'd been going to this doctor for 12 years at that stage. And every time she wanted to prescribe me a medication for some reason, we'd had an argument about it. And it took her six to 12 months to convince me, unless it was an antibiotic for something like um, tonsillitis. Every other time I would say to her, let's go the non-drug route first. And so for her to just very, in a very blasé way, say, I'll just pop you on HRT, I'm surprised if I didn't have steam coming out of my ears because I just couldn't believe it. So I walked her out, felt very dissatisfied and started Googling for information and I couldn't find anything that resonated with me. And so I thought, well, there's got to be a lot of other women who are my age or thereabouts with the same questions, so I'll just write a blog. And that was how it started. And I'd been thinking about, like I've, I'd written a food and travel blog for a long time and I really loved writing that blog, but I was getting a bit bored with it. And I thought, I want to write a blog that has a purpose and that's helpful and useful. And I thought, I want to write a blog that I can still share my story that's at the phase I'm at in life. And I thought, where am I in life? And then I just had this light bulb go on and it's like, well, I'm in my mid-40s and I'm facing down the menopause barrel. And I thought that's a great story, particularly after my doctor's comments to me. Yeah, which is zero helpful. Exactly. And I'm sure she was probably dumped thereafter. Yeah, she has been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, that must be, and I I guess on the other end of the spectrum, a lot of times um, with small steps, I'm talking to to women who are dealing with unanswered questions about their children from 
from doctors and it does force you to be going, "Ah, well, I know something is up here. And you declare like first up on the blog that you are a total geek researcher (laughs) and, and, um, you know, this is, this is your bag. Like you don't mind going down the rabbit holes, finding the research, um, trying to understand things. And it's so amazing that someone like you has put together this blog. So one of the first things that I found interesting that I read on it was the actual definition of menopause. Mm. So menopause is actually, it's one day and it's the day that marks 12 months since you last had a period. And the time before that is perimenopause and the time after that is postmenopause. So there's a lot of confusion around that because most people don't realise that menopause is just that one day. Yeah, I found that fascinating because when you're like, you know, um, when you're throwing around the word perimenopause, I didn't even really know what it meant. I was like, I know. Oh, so really when we're talking about going through menopause, it's actually experiencing perimenopause. Yes, that's right. Or postmenopause because a lot of the symptoms happen after you've stopped your period as well. So, but for me, it's perimenopause, but I use the words reasonably interchangeably because like you, most people don't realize what menopause actually is or what the difference is. So I do explain that in the blog, but when I'm talking to people, I just, you know, I explain it and then I just use interchangeably because people are confused sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, that's, yeah. So you explained some of the uh, symptoms that you were experiencing. Are they the textbook symptoms? Like how do we know that we're in, like we've sort of started that perimenopause phase? The only way you can really know is to have a blood test that measures your hormone levels. Oh. And and it depends on when in your cycle you have that blood test because your hormones fluctuate throughout your cycle. And so at the middle of your cycle when you're ovulating, your um, estrogen is a lot higher than it is when you've got your period. So it's, you know... But if you're going through the symptoms that I mentioned, like things like unexplained weight gain, anxiety, night sweats, hot flushes, um, and you'll know if you have any of those, trust me, you'll know when you're having a hot flush. (laughs) They're disgusting. Um, I can remember mum just like almost just wanting to lie on the tiles. Yeah. Yeah. And just like literally just sweat. Yeah. Just pouring off her. Yeah. Your cardigan is your best friend when you're having hot flushes and lots of layers of clothing so you can just easily take them off and put them back on. And I've been known to be, you know, sitting on the couch under the fan in the air conditioning and just putting on and taking off layers of clothes because after when I have a hot flush, once it's passed, I get really cold. Yeah, right. For about, not for very long, just for a few minutes. Well, your but body. It's like all the heat's gone out and yeah. then I just get really, really cold. And, pro- mm. and all the sweat on your skin and like your body's done the right thing to try and cool yourself down, I yeah. guess. But so, okay, is this a conversation that is happening? Are people talking about menopause at that age? Like, or is this something people are suffering in silence? Like, you, oh, I was, I sort of thought to myself, am I just not there yet? It's just not the conversation in the circles that I'm in or is it just kind of one of those tabooish subjects people are just kind of doing it in silence I think it's probably a combination of both you're from an age perspective your hormones start changing and 
from when you're 35. Yep. So you would definitely, I would imagine, be having some of that hormonal change at the moment. But it also is a very taboo subject and it's something that women don't like talking about. I think our generation and maybe the next generation will talk about it more, but I know my mother never talked about it and my aunts never talked about it. And there's been times when I've, you know, I've been in both personal situations with groups of friends and friends of friends or in professional situations where I've been introduced to potential clients or in a, in a workshop with clients and somebody has said Mel Wright's menopause blog and it's been really interesting to watch the reactions of both the men and the women in the room. The men have been really interested in a lot of instances and the women have been horrified and not wanted to talk about it. And really? I think I'll, I think a lot of that's because our society has such a stigma around women ageing and yes. it's such – and the media – well, the media, you know, they get rid of women of a certain age from TV screens and from newsrooms and, you know, from pretty much any form of public face. So women, from what I've observed and surmised, don't want to admit their age in case that – causes them to be discriminated against in their job or in any other way. That's just so fascinating, isn't it? Mm. Because and that's why that's why I think women aren't prepared to talk about it. Yes. But I think our generation is getting is a lot more vocal yep. and is a lot more um, feels a much greater sense of self and self-worth and power. And doesn't have that fear that women of the generation ahead of us may have felt. Yes. And, you know, I mean, it's a different time with social media, with access to conversations going on around yeah. the world via blogs and, um, you know, Facebook and all that sort of thing. There's, mm. there's always someone talking about something, I guess. Yeah. But if I can just add, yeah. having said all that, I have got... I've lost count of the number of friends, including some really good friends who've said to me, I love what you're doing with Justice Juicy, but I am not going to like your Facebook page for that page because I don't want other people to see that I'm of that age and going through that. Get out. Yep. And I just went, what? <laughs> you know, I I know this um from someone else who had a fertility, mm. uh, like a support, a Facebook group that helps people with um, a Facebook page and then a, a, a private group to help people through infertility. So these women didn't want other people to know that they were struggling to have a baby. I can kind of understand that a little bit more because having had quite a few friends who've gone through IVF and had fertility problems, they were sick of people saying to them, how's it going? Mm. And them having to say not very well and being completely heartbroken by it. Yep. But menopause is something every single woman who turns 40 mm. goes through menopause. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like fertility treatments where some women don't have any issues and some women have every issue under the sun. Every single woman who reaches the age goes through menopause. And do some women just breeze through it? Is it only an issue for a small percentage or do most women experience uncomfortable symptoms? From my readings, 
there's approximately, I think, 10 to 15% of women who don't have any side effects or don't experience any symptoms other than their period stopping. Yeah. Um, I'm very jealous of those women. Yeah, wow. I want to be <laughs> one of those. I am not one of those women. <laughs> Um, and I have quite a few friends who are in their early 60s who've said to me, menopause was a breeze. I didn't have any, um, I didn't have any symptoms. And I've looked at those women and what they all have in common is that they're really conscious about what they eat mm. and they're very conscious about doing regular exercise. Okay, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about what, what we can do. Do I mean okay? We'll talk about HRT or hormone replacement therapy afterwards. But I'd love to know what you've learned about because I mean we've chatted before. I've chatted on your um, podcast about food, and you grew up with a really wholesome um, approach to food, and you still have that today. But yeah. what what else have you have you learned about food, exercise, the role those things play in um, at like at that menopausal stage of life? So I, when I got no answers from my doctor, I started to see a naturopath and she um, sent me off to have a whole bunch of blood tests and none of them showed anything alarming. They showed a very slight change in my hormones and I'm about to go back and have another set of blood tests. It's been eight, month, eight months since the last lot. So it'll be a good comparison to see um, where things are at now. But other than that, there wasn't anything that jumped out and said, this is the reason why you've had weight gain, you've had anxiety, you've had all these other things. Um, and so she said to me, would you consider doing an elimination diet? And I said, I'll do anything to find out what the situation is and to make it better. And I didn't actually know what an elimination diet fully was until I started it and realised it went for 14 weeks, oh, which is three and a half months. It's <laughs> a long time. It was a very long time. So for the first, um, so I eliminated pretty much everything. So for the first three weeks, all I could eat was most meat, fish, most fruit and most vegetables, some rice, some millet and coconut products. Um, so no sugar, no gluten, no, no caffeine, no alcohol. Um, no dairy. No, uh, actually, there was no seafood, no, no fish, no crustaceans, no dairy, no tomatoes, no corn, no citrus and a few other things um, and no sugar um, so, and no nuts. So it was pretty full on. Great so anyone anyone who's done the whole 30, the whole yeah. 30 is a piece of cake compared to the elimination diet and no eggs. <laughs> no eggs. I mean, how no does eggs. one, yeah. Yeah, that was hard. Breakfast was hard. Mm. And then at the end of the three weeks, um, you reintroduce one food or one food group at a time and it takes five to six days to reintroduce each one properly. So after about four or five days, I started to feel amazing. And after three weeks, I felt so incredible. I had no gut issues. I had no toilet issues. I had no brain fog. I was waking up in the morning with so much energy. I was sleeping really well. I wasn't waking up through the night. I um, My anxiety went away completely. I couldn't believe it. Um, but mostly I just had all this energy. I didn't need as much sleep and I felt incredible. 
The first food I reintroduced was dairy and I had an exceedingly unpleasantly violent reaction within two hours of drinking a glass of milk, which made me realise, okay, dairy is a food that I shouldn't consume. The next food I introduced was um, gluten and I had not as strong and unpleasant reaction but I still had an unpleasant reaction and one of the things that really interested me when I reintroduced gluten was I had a full-on temper tantrum the night that I ate a bagel for lunch wow and I didn't associate that with eating gluten until a couple of days later when I thought about it Mm. and I just thought holy crap that's unbelievable because it's just so powerful yeah so I reintroduced all these foods and mm. it, it showed me that I had an intolerance as to gluten, dairy, coconut, um, certain like coconut fats. Mm-hmm. I can eat little bits of it but not lots of it. Um, legumes if I have them too often, mm-hmm. um, alcohol and caffeine. So in a perfect world, I won't eat those foods and I'll feel amazing. Yeah. The world's not perfect and I've got a dairy addiction and <laughs> um, I've been quite good about not eating gluten but the others I've been a bit slack on and I know I can tell instantly when I've had, when I've pushed the limits of having those foods because, again, I start to um, have sleepless nights and I start to feel exhausted and I struggle to wake up in the morning and I feel bloated and revolting. So... It's just, you know, I think once you can really know that feeling of amazing, then you get why you do the things. And, uh, you know, it's probably been a while since I've been totally there. I can remember um, doing it once. It wasn't for as long, but I maintained certain things out of my diet for a really long time. I was like, why would I ever go back? And then one day um, we it was sort of it was maybe six months into us moving to Brisbane and we met up with these new families that we'd met in the park and we and we all ordered pizza for dinner. I was like, oh my God, that pizza looks so good. And so I had a piece and that was kind of it. Like I was just sort of back and, you know, working out how to, how to, I guess, get to not get to the point that you're talking about, get to it. So there's, there's little bits in there, but it's not reaching bloated, Mm. like I'm six months pregnant levels, but gee, it's, it's hard. And I, and it's, and it's, it's an up and down for me sort of all the time in the knowing what my body likes and doesn't like and also just living a life that is not full of food anxiety. But what I'd love to know is did this improve your symptoms? Yeah, it did. So um, the most obvious was that I lost eight kilos and in about eight weeks and having gained, I gained, um, I came off the pill when I was 45 and gained 10 kilos in 10 weeks and then gained another eight kilos over the next 12 months. So to suddenly be able to lose weight was quite mind-blowing to me because I hadn't been able to at all. And, Mm. you know, I would do almost, I'd limit what I was eating. I'd, I tried a couple of ridiculously fad diets and I just kept on gaining weight. So 
I just really know that for my body, it's back to basics. It's whole foods, real foods, um, lots of home cooked foods is what I need and not gluten and not dairy. Um, but I also, the other big thing, probably the biggest thing was the anxiety went away. And that was remarkable to me. Mm. There's so much to be said. I mean, the science just keeps on coming out with more and more and more proof yeah. like our gut health yeah. is yeah. not only our physical health, but I mean, our mental health yeah. is included in that too. And it, it's it almost, really is. it's like yeah. the first place we all need to start. I interviewed a woman on my podcast called Felice Jacker, Dr. Felice Jacker, and she does research into the impact of food on mood. And she'd be a great guest for you as well because her research is groundbreaking and she's the only person in the world who's researching the impact of food on mood. Yeah. And it's fascinating. I mean, there's some wonderful, the Quirky Journey podcast is all all about that kind of thing as well. There's some people doing amazing things that I know I always see, um, you know, when people give shit yeah. to Pete Evans and uh, and just, you know, it's so extreme what he's saying and all that kind of stuff. And you can have your opinions on Pete, but you go to his Facebook page and see story after story after story after story of people who have improved their health through cutting out allergens yeah, from their from their diet, and so much of it is is mind related, depression, anxiety, and all those things. But it can, you know, it, it's also not necessarily a super quick fix, as you said. You went through. Not many mm. people would feel like they could take three and a half months out of their life and just yep. completely rejig the like, make life really about food for a little while yeah um but what I've heard from many people who end up doing it is it actually makes food easy because you're not thinking about all the different things you could have you just know that this is what you're gonna be eating (laughs) so it kind of cuts out that brain clutter I wrote a blog post about what I ate because a lot of people have said to me what did you eat and I just basically cooked a roast three times a week or two or three nights a week. I cooked a roast with a heap of vegetables. I could eat potato and sweet potato. So it wasn't low carb. No. It was just low, lots of other things. Um, And so my husband loved it. He said to me about, I don't know, six weeks in, he said, I love this new eating style. Can we do this forever? (laughs) And they're going, I need pizza and pasta. (laughs) I want a hamburger. (laughs) Did you, um, what did you have for breakfast? Breakfast was really hard. I had, um, I just basically had chicken and vegetable soup or meat and veggie soup for quite a few breakfasts. I had um, stir fried veggies quite a bit I had to eat meat because the only protein source I could have for the first three weeks was meat and I'm not a big meat eater no, so I found that really difficult I made um, pork or chicken congee and ate that yeah. quite a bit for breakfast Yum. because I could have rice mm-hmm. um, once I so with the elimination diet once you reintroduce a food and you work out whether you like it or not or whether your body likes it or not you're supposed to take it out and not have it again until mm-hmm. you finish the whole process but I said to my naturopath I can't keep eating meat for breakfast because I'm mental so we agreed that when I reintroduced eggs and when I reintroduced fish if I didn't have a problem I could keep them in my diet and so I think eggs might have were the first or second thing I reintroduced and so once I could have those and I had an egg for breakfast most days yeah 
and that made it a lot easier. And I'd have an egg with lots of veggies and that's what I've been eating for breakfast for years and years anyway. So that wasn't a problem. But, yeah, breakfast was really hard. Lunch and dinner were easier. Dinner was, like I said, a roast or a stir fry. Um, Stir fries were hard because I couldn't have any of the sauces, so I couldn't have soy. I couldn't have most of the sauces that go in a stir fry because I couldn't have the ingredients in them. So I couldn't add fish sauce because I couldn't have fish. I couldn't have lime juice because I couldn't have citrus. I couldn't have sugar because I couldn't have sugar. I couldn't have, you know, soy sauce because I couldn't have soy. I couldn't have tamari because it had something else in it that I couldn't have. So. So I could have herbs and spices, mm-hmm. but I couldn't have sauces. So I did a lot of um, I did a lot of stir fries using chicken stock mm. and that I had to make, mm-hmm. and um, different herbs and spices to flavour it. Yeah. Um, so that I guess it was it's a bit experimental. Sometimes it's nice to mix things up, <laughs> but it's like the difference between those jungle curries at a Thai restaurant versus a nice you know, green curry. You just would go the Well, I could curry. have a green curry. I could have a green curry because I could make my own curry paste and leave out, as long as I left out the shrimp paste, I could yeah. make my own Thai green curry paste. Okay. And oh, I could have coconut milk. Oh, you could have coconut. So, I thought coconut was out. I, I could have it. I have an intolerance to it, okay. but I could have it occasionally. Right. And if I put a little bit of coconut cream in with an enormous amount of chicken stock, I yep. was okay. Okay. Got it. So yeah. you can bend the rules slightly. Yeah. Um, okay. So you so can bend the rules slightly. Yeah. Before we finish up, there is so there's two more things. I'd love you to to give a few little bits of small steps advice for people who might be experiencing perimenopause. But um, f- before that, okay. Oh, I found something on the web. <laughs> oh, that was Siri. Did you hear that? Just started randomly. She's like, okay, I found something on the web, probably to do with perimenopause. Um, So I don't know why that my phone, I'm not even touching it. Uh, So what is the deal? Let's just touch on um, what you've learned about HRT or hormone replacement therapy. What's the go? So HRT, I'm not at that stage yet, so I don't know an enormous amount about it, but my advice for anybody considering HRT is talk to your doctor and find out if that is the only alternative for you. My personal preference is not to put other things in my body if I don't have to. Um, And there's lots of different forms of HRT. You can get estrogen only, progesterone only, a combined estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, HRT. Um, A lot of people I know are back on the pill or have a marina in order to manage their hormone fluctuations. But again, ask your doctor, do I need it? Like what other options are there for me? Um, How long do I need to be on it for? what's going to happen to me when I come off it and what are the health implications in terms of heart disease, osteoporosis, um, stroke, um, breast cancer. Wow, yeah. And if your doctor doesn't know or doesn't give you an answer that you're satisfied with, then do your own research. There's a lot of studies out there on the subject of HRT and there's a lot of information out there. So go in with, and make an informed decision rather than just blindly saying, yes, I'll go on it. And if you're listening 
and we're in Australia, we can't buy HRT over the counter, but in countries like the United States, you can. So don't just blindly buy it over the counter without knowing whether you even need it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And get a blood test. Ask your doctor. The first thing you should be doing if you think you're going through perimenopause is get a hormonal blood test from your doctor and find out whether you really are. And then in a year's time, get another one to see where your hormone levels have, how your hormone levels have changed in that 12 month period. Yep. That's a great piece of advice. But can I just ask you, it's funny because you said, you you know, the, your preference is not to go down that route, but then how many years were you on the pill? I know, but I, I know I was on the pill for 20 something years and I can guarantee if I knew when I was 18, what I know now about the pill, I would never have gone on it. Yeah. So when you started learning about the pill, you're like, um, I'm out of here. I was out of there. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't until I was um, 45, 43, 44, 45 that I actually started learning about the pill. What did you and learn? It, I learned that I wish I'd never put it in my body because it's completely stuffed it up. So, but I just think doctors are really quick to prescribe, mm. and young mm. women like me at the time were, I was terrified of getting pregnant. And so the only alternative, the safest alternative, and the best alternative for birth control that I was aware of was the pill. Yeah. I was put on it when I was 16 because mm. I had seriously, seriously, seriously painful. And b- bad periods, like yeah. horrible. And yeah. um, I needed to be able to do year 12. I used to have to take days off school because of mm. vomiting and, and mm. no one did any digging. It was like, yeah, yeah that happens. Um, so here's the pill. And yeah. I, I was on it for nine years and at 25 I just started to feel uncomfortable about it. And I was living with Nick at the time and I said, I just think I need to just get my body off these hormones. And I can remember feeling like I'd woken up out of mm. a cloud. And, yeah. and I actually, I lost weight when I came off it because yeah. I think I was just constantly holding on to fluid. Mm. And then, you know, since then and, and you know, having this amazing platform and interviewing people like um, Nat Kringudis about the pill and finding out, you know, how the effect it has on our gut health, similar to antibiotics, and you're like, why Why are they saying that there's no side effects? I know. I One of the it. things that frustrates me, and HRT does this to an extent as well, is it masks the symptoms. Mm. And I've got so many girlfriends who were on the pill for the same reason as you, really painful periods. And I went, I went off the pill when I was in my late 20s and went back on it within a year because of excruciating periods mm. and there was never any investigation done but a lot of my girlfriends now can't conceive because of massive endometriosis scarring which the pill hid and so yeah my issue was criminal I know, I know my issue was this big um uh, cyst that used to pop up on my right ovary each month yeah. and then when I would ovulate it would kind of cut off and then bleed out. And it was so it was all this bleeding in the wrong places, which is why I was yeah. in so much pain. And yeah. it was obvious some sort of inflammation happening in my body. And the only time that I found that out, it was when 
um, you know, I didn't take the heavy duty, hardcore, biggest pain relief medication that you can get. I used to have it for about 48 hours and just zonk myself. And I forgot to take it one night and I could barely walk to the toilet. And Nick's like, yeah. are you serious? Like, this is what those drugs are masking. You should really get that checked out. <laughs> and then off I went down that road, which ended up leading to a laparoscopy, clearing off the scar tissue, and then yeah. a doctor saying, well, you know, now's probably a good time to have a baby. And we hadn't even been married a year. And we thought, ah, oh, takes people a while. All right, we, I guess so. And then we were pregnant like straight away. <laughs> but it was, it was not, I would never have known that that was going on because we're just also told, I love what Nat says about any type of symptom, so even your weight gain afterwards is just a symptom of something being off and so much yep. of it comes down to hormones. And all yep. we need to do, like the whole weight gain, can't lose weight no matter what you're doing, there's a deeper issue going on that you need to search for. Yeah, and that was why my naturopath ordered, you know, 25 things to be tested in blood tests because she said there's something else happening here. Mm. And we need to work it out. And she tested me for a whole heap of autoimmune diseases as well as, um, you know, hormones and, and you know, smaller things as well. But none, none of them showed anything. Yeah. So, and, and that then, was when she went, what, let's look at your diet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And I said, okay. Yeah. So I've just had three weeks in the U.S., I ate everything and drank everything that I wasn't supposed to eat. I think I had more coffee in three weeks than I had in the previous 12 months and uh, certainly drank a lot of alcohol and ate my way through burgers, pizza, nachos and other deliciously cheese and gluten-laden foods. And I only had one bagel because bagels I know are very bad and I decided that the pain of eating a bagel wasn't worth it. Um, But the pain of a good burger was (laughs) and good pizza. (laughs) So now I've been back for a week and a half and I'm slowly starting to feel normal again because I'm eating, you know, a million serves of vegetables a day. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Our bodies know what they need. Yeah, um, they do. We can yeah. just switch that 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 off when we want yeah. to override yeah. it. Yeah. But it's lovely yeah. that you know what to come back to and what feels good for you right now. So um, you mentioned before, would you say the best small step for someone who's experiencing these symptoms is to get a um, get a blood, get a blood test? test. Go to, yeah, talk to your doctor about it. And if your doctor doesn't give you the answers that you want, then ask your network and your friends for recommendations of one who will give yeah. you, you know, who'll be open to it. And there are definitely some GPs who specialise in women's health and in menopause. Um, so look for one of them. Mm. in your local area or in your community and maybe, you know, consider alternative therapies like natural naturopathy as well. Mm. I know my naturopath and my doctor um, are, you know, I, I use them together mm. and I'm getting the answers that are helping me work out what's wrong and because, you know, menopause can last you, perimenopause can last you for 15 years. So Yikes. you, Yeah, I know. So you want to make sure that, what it is that you're going through is to do with perimenopause um, because also a lot of the symptoms can be symptoms of other things. So a lot of the symptoms Mm. of perimenopause, such as bloating and changes in bowel movements and, um, you know, other gut-related things and 
weight gain related things, they can be related to really scary things like ovarian cancer. So don't stick your head in the sand. Go and get it checked out if you have any doubts. Yeah. And don't, you know, don't stop getting it checked out until you're satisfied with the responses that you've had from from, you know, blood tests and from doctors and from medical professionals. Oh, such good advice. Thank mm. you, Mel. So if people want to want a bit more information on this stuff, where should they go? And then also just um, give yourself a plug away for the amazing other work that you do. Oh, thanks. Well, you can have a look at the website, Just As Busy, um, and I have the divine Alicia Lynch, naughty naturopath mum, to thank for that name because she came up with it for me. Uh, so, so it's smart. just Oh, she's great. So it's justasjuicy.com. And I do send out a regular-ish newsletter. Um, I aim for every week, but I haven't sent one out for about six weeks. So there'll be another one coming soon. You can sign up for that. Uh, And on my social media and marketing stuff, it's all melkettle.com. And I do communication and social media consulting um, and workshops and help organisations get a better understanding of what they need to be doing for their customers and their clients in social media world. You're very good at it and you're very well known amongst the crew, especially in Queensland. Um, So I'm thrilled to have been able to have this time with you today and to just shine a light on this topic that no one else seems to be talking about. Um, You've shared so freely. It's been great, thanks. Yeah. it's And can I just encourage everyone to talk about it? Because the more of us who talk about our menopause and perimenopause challenges, the less taboo that subject is going to be. And, you know, if you're embarrassed, just start by talking about it with your husband or your partner or, you know, your adult kids if you've got them. Because I know I said to my husband, this is what I'm going through. And like when I was in my moody bitch phase, which was full on for a while, I just had to say to him, it's hormonal and it's not you. And he was so relieved because he had no idea whether he'd done something wrong Mm. or whether it was, you know, or what the situation was. So now when I'm a snappy cow, he just says to me, is it hormonal or have I done something? Yes. And I can just tell him if he's done something or I can tell him if it's hormonal. And if it's hormonal, he's like, okay, see you later. I'm just going to leave the room and you can get it all out of your system. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, um, and but- it's not its not even that. Like when I was going through your blogs, I was like, vaginal itching. Nice. Let's, mm. let's talk about it. Let's, yep. okay. Yep. Because the yep. thing is that it's it's a bit uncomfortable and it's a bit, well, it's just not things that people talk about, but I guess we're not doing ourselves as a generation of women any favours by kind of putting our heads in the sand or laughing it off because, you know, the facts of the matter are that most of us are heading straight towards it, we've experienced yeah. it before, or we're totally in it. So Yeah, exactly. I yeah. just I love what you're doing. I love that th- that was the name of a blog post. And (laughs) and if anyone has any questions about anything to do with menopause, I'm really happy to research it for you and write a blog post about it. And I won't name your name in it unless you want me to. So fire away with any questions. Mm. I'm really happy to, you know, be the researcher for you on that subject. Put the geek to work is what I'm hearing here. So, okay, that's a call to action, everybody. Um, justasjuicy.com. You want to head right there. Okay. Thank you, Mel. It has been a really, really great chat and just nice to talk to you anyway. It's been a while. 
It has. You too. Thanks very much, Lisa. Thanks, Mel. For more inspiration, interviews and know-how, head to smallstepsliving.com. Small Steps Living, inspiring your best life, one small step at a time.